Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Guys, we got a special treat this morning. Uh, Phil is doing R&R with his girls. You know, he has no boys in the family. He's trying to get one. One's daughter's engaged, so he may have a son-in-law pretty soon. But uh, he is on the beach with his girls recouping. Ben Derrick is speaking this morning. Glad to have him here. Ben, glad you're here. Guys, uh, you know, I try, to, try not to get too serious in the mornings because it's early, um, but I want to do something. I feel compelled. My heart is a little bit heavy, and I apologize for quivering voice this morning. <coughs> Men's Roundtable and Deer Camp. When we come in here and listen to some Bible verses and listen to some coaching and listen to some encouragement, feel better about ourselves, maybe get a little lift in our step, and we go about our day. You don't know who's sitting to your right and who's sitting to your left sometimes. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to the guy next to you. But before I do that, let me tell you about a young man that was here a few weeks ago. Was invited by somebody who had not been attending roundtable very long. And this person extended an invitation to this young man. And he joined him to come listen to Men's Roundtable, find out what it was about. And a uh, young man has had a troubled life, but he was here and he enjoyed the time here. Last Thursday, I asked this mutual friend, hey, where's Nick? Is he here? Is he with us? No, he's not here this morning. Should have called him. If you sign in on the list up front, if you're a new person here, you get assigned to somebody on the leadership team and somebody from the leadership team should write an email to you and a letter welcoming you to be here. <laughs> part of the ritual. If you hadn't signed in, please sign in. It's a way for us to be in touch with you, but also for us to get to know you. I'm on the leadership team, and Nick was one of the guys that I reached out to to welcome him to be a part of Men's Roundtable. Friday, I've got a phone call. Nick had overdosed. Man. You don't know who's sitting to your right or who's sitting to your left. This series is about the true man behind the mask. Taking the mask off and finding out who's behind it. Revealing yourself. Being known to others. And others knowing you. We can come in and we can listen to scripture know that there's a God. I trust that your faith is in God, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. But if we don't acknowledge the fact that there is an enemy here wanting to take each and every one of us out, we are fools. Take just a minute if you wouldn't introduce yourself to the guys next to you. Thank you. It's a cold. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. I thank you for ceasefire, for providing a breakfast. Lord, I thank you for the leadership team. I thank you for Roan and for Ben. Thank you for Phil, for the commitment that he has to Men's Roundtable. Lord, I thank you for the men that are here, the families that are represented. May you restore the feeling in us, God, that we are men. We are your sons. We are your beloved. 
we belong to you. Protect us from the enemy. Guard us from his evil. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the uh, intro as always. And certainly the idea of like <laughs> maybe getting to know the guy that's uh, sitting next to you. Um, guys, we believe that the, uh, the thing that, um, that ails you, the thing that you are dealing with, whatever that thing is, that the cure, it is connection. It's not more Bible knowledge. It's not more church. It's not more church service. It's not any of those things. Those things are good. However, it's not what you need in order to heal, in order to grow. That's reality. And that's the story from Genesis to Revelation. It's all the Bible is about. So this morning, uh, Ben and I are going to, as we always do, uh, we're going to deviate <laughs> from... I guess we're, is, are we deviants or are we deviators? I don't know. We're something. Uh, but we're going to kind of uh, go off um, the script of the series, I guess. Uh, but not really, because we're going to talk about Psalm 51, and we're going to talk about David. And I certainly believe that uh, David, our brother, uh <laughs> understood amazing grace right so we're not we're not really going off the trail very far just not the handout it's a little different which we don't ever follow the handout anyway so it doesn't matter um phil uh is out i think he's trying to practice a little better self-care i don't i don't think he's doing any uh psychobabble stuff so that's a good thing and uh, that's always good here because uh, we're getting ready to open up with music. And um, I told Ben to kind of pick the song. And I said, Ben, uh, and he, he did. And he told me what the song was. And I said, uh, is, is there anything associated with a song uh, and a baby singing or a baby crying? I don't know. Is, Ben said it wasn't. I trust my brother. Uh, is there a choir involved? No choir. Is it 1957 gospel music? No. Oh gosh. Wow. Okay. Uh, is there a unicorn? No unicorns. Rainbows. Nope. All right. I just. I mean, with Phil, you have to check these things because he is prone to. You just never know. Uh, he always talks about living in a sorority house. And it has affected him deeply. And it's scary in some ways. But I'll let you come to your own conclusion about that. So this morning, um, we're going to start with a song. And the song is called Burden. Um, and we'll let the song speak for itself. The words, uh, the lyrics are on your handout. So, Mr. Jeff, do Thing. I can't do because I just want to have that, you know, that line. Hi, this is Foy Vance, uh, jamming in the van at a festival called Music Tastes Good. Lum. Carry your burden. Something's not right, I will let you know. Like the pain that's drying on a heart that's broke. Won't let me carry your burden. Get you back on a high when you feel it. When the weight's too heavy, but you 
Things like that, we say amen. And amen. Three and a half minutes Whew. of a man articulating what Whew. it is to speak to another man about non-sexual intimacy. So I encourage you, if it's the first time you've heard that song, to go back and, and listen to it on wherever you stream music. Think about it, the backstory of why that song is important to me. When I first started my journey into understanding who I am as a man, as a son of the king, um, I got very upset and flooded. One day I was walking around my neighborhood. I was listening to a podcast, a John Eldridge podcast. And uh, that guy's burned me a few times, but this was, this was before has, that. He has a way. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I was walking around my neighborhood and uh, I just got upset about the working of the enemy in my life. I had finally had enough. <clears throat> so I stopped in the middle of my neighborhood. I've got my, my headphones in. I stopped on just three or four houses up from my house where I started. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, F you, devil. Only I said the version that you say in your neighborhood. Oh, can you say that? No, I can't. Is that allowed? If you turn that off, maybe. <laughs> so. <clears throat> we'll have to get the, the Presbyterians and yeah, the First yeah. Baptist guys will have to leave. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no offense. So. I hope you're offended. From that moment on, for about the next for about the next three months, I felt a very intense spiritual oppression. Um, it was difficult to live through. I took it to my community, but I had picked a fight with something larger than myself in my arrogance. Mm -hmm. And um, about three months later, I was walking around that same neighborhood, just with music on, trying to get some peace. This song comes on. I pause it and I feel Jesus communicate to me. You are my brother. You cannot carry this. Let me do it. Let me do it. Mm 
So I would extend to you this morning that there are things that you're carrying that they're none of your business to carry. That Jesus is there as our brother. In fact, Jesus tells a story that involves two brothers and gives us an example of an older brother that fails miserably in understanding the idea of grace. Jesus setting the stage that he is our older brother that handles those moments perfectly. Stands in contrast to that. So here's what we're going to do for, for a couple minutes, because if not, Ronald ran about the church for 45 minutes. We don't want to sit through that, do we? No, no. Yes, that's right. Amen. Yeah, so this is for your growth and to block Ron this morning. All right, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right, all right. So get those, uh, get those pens out, those journals out. Remember that we have a tradition, at least when, um, when I'm up front, to fill some time for you guys to be vocal. There's something in a man's life that demands that he establish his voice. And the safest place to do that is when we are together in a learning posture. Do not be afraid to share your heart here. You will help yourself and other men. Clear? Amen. All right. So first question. First question. Related to the lyric, when you're fanning flames that won't keep you warm. Did you hear that? <laughs> Name one healthy and one unhealthy place. You have taken your pain. Name one healthy and unhealthy place that you've taken your pain. Healthy to my brother. Okay. Healthy to the woman. Good. Call him quick draw Tim. <laughs> There's a lot behind that nickname. <laughs> Name one healthy, <laughs> one unhealthy place that you take your pain. Tim courageously says, healthy to his brothers, unhealthy to the woman. Mm. Can I get an amen? Oh, boy. Don't just steal his answer. You write your own. Mm -hmm. Maybe first, like, you need to be aware that you have pain. Okay. Step one, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> we all have pain. We're going to get there in a minute. <laughs> yep. These long pauses are great for the podcast, by the way. <laughs> it's easy listening. <clears throat> for those of you that need some Bible, Matthew chapter 11. 28 through 30 references the word burden in the mouth of Jesus. Before we discuss your answers, just briefly write this phrase down. You must know the difference between relief and rescue. You must know the difference as a man between relief and rescue. The enemy will frequently offer you relief so that you will no longer desire rescue. All right. Any brave among us? <laughs> healthy and unhealthy place you've taken your pain. Drink. Drink. Anger. Anger. Our children. Okay. Children. Mm. Control. Control. This is the unhealthy list, right? Yeah. yeah it's Most, okay. Yeah, yeah. I need to check that. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Unspoken. Mm, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tee it up. What about work? Mm. Yeah. We're men, aren't we? Also, something to be aware of. How easy was it for you to list the unhealthy places? How <laughs> difficult for you to think of the healthy places? That's not set in judgment. In fact, I would I would propose this morning you probably have more healthy places than you realize it's the unhealthy places that haunt you. And it's why they're at the top of your mind. Okay. Know the difference between relief and rescue. Pace, okay? 
Oh yeah. Okay. Do I need to sing? No, please don't. I have more questions. A musical, no. musical interlude. Yep. While they're thinking. Next lyric: When the weight's too heavy, but you won't let go. Did you hear that? When the weight's too heavy, but you won't let go. Name something too heavy you carried for too long. Name something too heavy you carried for too long. <laughs> Cue the women's choir, please. <laughs> First Peter five, seven. Here's a phrase for you for this second question. A healthy man knows what to cast and what to carry. Mm -hmm. Bible explains, cast your burdens because God cares for you. In every man's life, there are certain things that he must throw off and there are certain things that he must carry. It is up to you in your journey to maturity to be able to discern, spiritual word there, which is which. Too many men carry too many things that they should have cast into their community and especially onto God. All right, any brave among us? Addiction. Addiction. Mm -hmm. That's honest. Thank you. A pride of failure. Failure? Pride over failure? Fear. Pride, pride of, pride of, my failure and my pride for not admitting it. Ah, uh, pride. Pride blocking you from admitting it. I'm sorry. Somebody said something the good. Baptist in the back. Had. Somebody said something good back there. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, it, it was Blair. Never mind. Do not say that out loud. <laughs> All right, last chance. Something too heavy you carry too long. Abuse. Mm. Failure, shame, abuse. Back here in the back, it's appearances. 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 Yep. That is a heavy burden, sir. <laughs> Very yeah. true. No, all jokes aside, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. The person that we present. Mm -hmm. the, the false self, as we say in Psycho Bible. The mask, yes. Yep. Okay, okay to move on? And this will get us into Psalm 51. Lyric, no matter how much you're hurting right now, you know that everything will change in time. Mm. Did you hear it in the lyric? Tough question here, gentlemen. Are you ready? How comfortable are you trusting the timing of God? <laughs> I'll let you know in a couple years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'll get back. At this moment, yep. over your journal, how comfortable are you trusting the timing of God? Mm. Give it a percentage, give it a one to ten. Seems to be connected to something about waiting. There you go. I don't know. Yeah. Heard that somewhere. It's very circumstantial. Mm -hmm. Meaning? When everything's good, it's great to trust him. When it's not, it's not hard. Okay. Mm. Here, here. It's hard when the answer's no. Mm. Yeah. And when answers wait, no one wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. And no sometimes is easy. It's easier in a way. Because the, the limbo land is that that's the crazy maker. Crazy earth maker. Crazy earth. Good call. <laughs> yeah, nice. For the Bible folks, first Peter five ten. This verse starts after you have suffered a little while. <clears throat> The Bible assumes suffering over the story of a, of a man. For you phrase folks, suffering precedes strength, always. Suffering 
precedes strength. We're in dire straits in our nation as men because we have done our best to remove suffering in our own lives by anesthetizing it and subtracting it from the men that are coming after. Everyone gets a trophy started as a joke. It will be the downfall of our country. Yeah. Suffering precedes strength. You know, it's interesting. Our This generation, whether you're a boomer or a millennial, an Xer or a liar, uh, since World War II, we have lived in the most peaceful and prosperous culture in the history of the world. When you think about what we've been offered, and pretty much peace, uh, peace times, and prosperity, and not very much hardship. And look where we are today. Man is addicted to pleasure. Give him a hundred, he wants two hundred. And all of our basic needs are met beyond belief when you look at other parts of the world. And that is the poorest among us in this culture. But boy, look what we've done with it. We have to understand that bent inside all of us. Gentlemen, complacency is the enemy. And I don't care if you're talking about a culture. I don't care if you're talking about the addiction uh, that rules your life and my life. Complacency is the enemy. We get complacent, and we're going to get taken out. There's no neutral in this game. So we're going to dive into Psalm 51, which helps us connect into the series by as I can discern over uh, being here and being part of the podcast, which I'm thankful for, we're transitioning our paradigm from performance-based acceptance to acceptance-based performance, which is quite a shift. So what helps us make that shift? I personally believe in my own life, and I think you could probably confirm, that failure is the thing that drives us to understand we cannot perform well enough, long enough to receive that level of approval and validation that we're longing for. And that's by design because it is a gift from God. But when we look into the life of David, we see that David had lots of failures, many failures. One primary failure because he took his question to the world of women and chaos ensued. We dive into Psalm 51, we see the words of a prayer by this man who, by the way, walked the earth just like we are, engaging with God and trying to work his faith out. So this is the backstory on on Psalm 51. So what we're going to do is just roll through the first 12 verses. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of the Bible, and then Ron will say some smart things. (laughs) Or smart-ass things. I mean, smart Smart things. things. It'll be smart. Could you strike that from the record? Yeah. All right. So this is the backstory to the prayer. Understand the backstory to Psalm 51 is failure. This is a man who is carrying on his own a heavy, heavy burden. I personally believe it's fine for us to talk about being true faced and taking the mask off and we can discuss that at a cognitive level. But the problem we have as men, especially in. Especially in church services. (laughs) is that we sit in those church services and we feel like all we're hearing about is the ideal and what we're living in is the real. And we feel that church is missing us because it's not describing what's actually going on in our life. It's talking about what should be going on in our life. And that's frustrating, isn't it? You walk out of a church service and you think, man, everybody else must have all of this Mm. figured out. I'm the only one that doesn't. We feel isolated. When you feel that way, you need to go to this chapter in the Bible because this man is working out the burden that he's carrying. In case you don't know the backstory, what has happened is that he took something. Listen to how masculine this is. He stayed home from where he should have been, answering his obligations as a king. 
And in his complacency, he saw something he wanted that wasn't his, and he took it. Let me ask you a question right here, just pausing. Has that ever been a part of your story? Seems to be common to man. As a result of him taking this woman, just how the Bible describes it, takes this woman, and because of the consequences, he adds more consequence, and he has her husband murdered by someone else's hand, like a coward. And it blows up on him. He's held accountable, and he's carrying the burden himself. Get the backstory? This is in the Bible, by the way. Somebody informed the church. I haven't heard this in a children's sermon. No. Yeah. Have you done children's sermons? Uh, yeah. yeah, felt bored, right? <laughs> this is the man that killed so the giant. Stupid. This is the man that killed the giant. And the enemy used a woman to pull him away from God's plan for his life. A man after God's own heart, by the way. Mm. Just speaking the truth right now. What I'm trying to help you do is feel comforted for the way that your story has gone because you're not alone. You are not alone. Everybody with me, man? All right, Psalm 51. I got, I got Joe up here. Thank you, Joe. Yep. All right. All right, so we're going to dig into the psalm. You ready to go for this? Jumping. Okay. All right. Psalm 51 starts this way. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, Blot out my transgressions. Let me read it again. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. 51 verse 1. Key takeaway for me, and I'll hand it over to Rome. Key takeaway for me is that this man understood that even in his failure, he could count on the mercy of God. Even in his failure, he could count on the mercy of God. This is a truth that we must take to the whispers of the enemy. The enemy has convinced us that when we fail, we are cast out. That we have satisfied God's love for us and we have outrun his strong arm. David understood as he begins this prayer, even in my failure. I won't take a poll about who's taken another man's wife or who's had a man murdered. But that's pretty dramatic stuff. That's not blowing up on your kids one afternoon because they're getting on your nerves. These things are big deals here. And he can count on the mercy of God. So I always turn this into a question. Can you, in your failure, do you have that belief deep down that you can count on the mercy of God? I see too many walking wounded men because we lack this foundational belief. According to Psalm 51, even in your failure, the mercy of God is available. Agree? A hundred percent. You know, this Psalm, when we talked about doing, you know, just talking about Psalm 51, uh, for me, this is uh, very, very personal. Uh, this Psalm uh, ministered to me in a way that um, I don't believe any other passage in scripture uh, has ministered to me in a very real way. Uh, when I admitted to my wife uh, my full-blown sexual addiction, um, I didn't know even know the term at the time. I just told her I had a problem with pornography, and all hell broke loose. And then um, I admitted everything over uh, about a six-month period, um, and Psalm 51 became very real to me, and I lived there. Um, and I know it backwards and forwards, right? Because David's story is my story. And not only around my woman issues, the porn issues, and uh, all the other things that I've done, the other piece is um, even I had an abortion going into uh, our freshman at Mississippi State. So I was also a murderer, just like David. And this psalm was balm to my soul. This was real. The text became alive to me. And so Psalm 51 has so much depth and meaning for me in a very real way. And it's like, you know, for me, when I was in my sin, when I was in my addiction, 
It was ever before me. It was always at the forefront of my mind. Not just wanting to go lust or, or wanting to go act out. It was on, in my mind because of the shame and the guilt that I was experiencing. And David says it. He tells us that. It's very real. And I would say that we won't ask for a show of hands, but many of you understand it. Maybe even in that exact same context. But it was ever before me. And I could not get out of it on my own. I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't stop on my own. David confessed when he was confronted by the prophet. He confessed. Confess your sins one to another, as James 5.16 tells us. One of the tragedies in the evangelical world is we threw the baby out with the bathwater, and we have no avenue for the confession of sin, specific sin, not general vague sin, Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus. What is that crap? It is so clear. If you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to be healed, confess your sins specifically one to another so that you may be healed. Then the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. What is a godly man? It's not somebody pretending, giving eloquent sermons and teaching Sunday school and serving the poor. That's not it. It is a man living a confessional life. I'm not saying you have to go to Walmart, get on the intercom, but you need to find somebody that you can talk to on a gut level and get honest about the reality of your life. It's just what we need. And David models it. This is it. You did good. Thank you. <laughs> you did good. I got worried there for a moment. You guys? Uh, just yeah. right on the edge. <laughs> exactly. Let me pull you back. David continues, wash me thoroughly. I took my medication. Yeah. Okay. To be determined. Wash me thoroughly <laughs> from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Right, so he's, he's starting generally here, but moves into something more specific. What I'd like to say over this verse just briefly, because we have to be aware of time this morning, is that we have to take our desperate places to the right place. Hmm. We've convinced ourselves in modernity that the message of God over our story is, clean yourself up and come to me. Clean yourself up, come to me. The rituals that we have, even over our appearance, Walking into our Christian gatherings, clean yourself up and come to me. Growing up, the only time I touched an iron was on Sunday morning. You remember that? You had to get dressed what? up to go to church. What's an iron? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the message of modern Christianity has been that God says over our story, clean yourself up and come to me. The truth is the exact reverse. God says, come to me and we can clean this up. What a reversal. What a statement of freedom over your life. David acknowledges as he's getting into this prayer that it isn't his own effort that will cleanse him, that will clean him up, that he must depend on an authority outside of himself, which gets us back to the mistake that he made in the first place. He had convinced himself that he was the ultimate authority, and if he wanted it when he saw it, he had the authority to take it, and he didn't. So I want you to think over your life. Do you have a problem with authority? And I don't mean in the elementary school kind of way, like we're going to move your clip down and not give you a gold star because you can't sit still for nine hours <laughs> at school, which isn't a dude thing anyway. I'm talking about authority that, in your life. Jacked up. Yes. Do you have people in your life that can speak truth to you and you'll listen? Do you have people in your life that you've given clearance to speak truth to you and you will listen? The reason I'm asking that question is because I believe long-term your health depends on it. Your regeneration depends on it. He continues by saying, I know 
my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. He's acknowledging that the enemy has a tactic to remind us of our failures. In fact, just speaking that word in this room, it's difficult, isn't it? Mm. You wish I would stop talking about it because you keep thinking about them, don't you? <laughs> the enemy loves to give us that unholy, bastardized recall over our own stories. And, and let's not forget that, like, if your sin is ever before you and you're thinking about it and it's on your mind and you feel shame and guilt around it, that's actually not really totally a bad thing. It means you're not a psychopath, right? If you didn't think about it, you'd be a sociopath. Uh, that, that would be really troublesome. But it is, whether you've got Jesus, whether you've got God, whether you're agnostic, whether you're atheist, whether it doesn't matter, there's a God stamp on your soul. And when we are violating things outside the created design, it's chaos. And, and I've sat with people that are nothing as far as God and all that. I don't ever, I don't, I don't care. Doesn't ever bother me. I'm not beating them over the head trying to, you know, get them to accept Jesus, get saved or something. But what I do begin to do is talk to them. I begin to listen and I begin to care. And then I really begin to like them. <laughs> and you connect with a person. And then guess what happens? They become very open to the things of God. It's a, it's a pretty simple thing. We call it counseling, whatever that is. But it's just simply this idea of being with another and carrying one another's burdens. Big statement, wherever you go, there you are. Mm. Two things you can't outrun, the love of God and yourself. <laughs> That's a difficult truth, but we understand that acknowledgement of our failures is painful. And that's why we avoid it. <clears throat> we avoid the pain because we're carrying it ourselves. We're not giving it up to God. I think the reason for our emphatic tone, and I know the reason for our emphatic tone this morning, is because this sort of life, carrying our own burdens and not being able to be true in front of God, is gut-wrenching and miserable. And it's destroying us. We know that life, don't we? We have any free men in here? <laughs> One, freedom. you know what freedom feels like, right? And once you get a taste of that, you want more. Mm. David had experienced that and he still failed. And he's trying to work his way back into understanding there's an authority outside of himself that actually has the power to cleanse him from the things that he doesn't like about himself. He says to God, against you and you only have I sinned mm. and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. All right, brace yourself. You guys ready? We put him to sleep today. <laughs> my, my group back there is like, save him, save him. <laughs> They're just old. Yes. God is in charge. He has gifted you influence. The way that we operate is that we're in charge and we gift God influence. Not a good plan. Think about your own life. I'm in charge. We're going to get to this verse in just a moment. Hmm. The me I see is the me I'll be. I heard that sermon growing up. Did you? <laughs> the me I'll see is the me I'll be. <sighs> right? Well, not growing up. Yeah. yeah okay. So we believe we're in charge. Everything's up to us. Our successes are because of us. Our failures are because of us. And at times when things get desperate, we'll reach out with a Hail Mary and we'll say, God, could you influence this just a little bit? Got out over my skis, son. Need you to help me. The bills are due. The wife's upset. My kids don't respect me. We need to understand that God is in charge. He's never not been in charge over the good and over the bad. He's in charge and he gives us influence. The reason we don't like thinking about it this way is because it gives us responsibility on how we influence other people, hmm. how we operate within the world, how we treat other people. What are you doing? Big question. What are you doing with your influence? I'm going to zoom ahead. That's okay. Go for it. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Which, by the way, some people would use this verse to posit that David was actually the result of his father stepping out. And that he carried that burden for all of his life. See, when, when, I, when I say that, and you've heard me say it mm -hmm. in front of a Baptist pastor, yeah. and somehow it was offensive. Well, but I, yet you're saying it. Yes. I don't. Are it's anybody, the way that you say it. I guess so. I guess so. It's the way that you say it. Yeah, yeah. That's true always. Yeah. It's the way that you say it. I said some would say or would posit. I didn't say, I believe that David is the result of an affair. However, it's worth thinking about because it is here in the text in Psalm 51. I was brought forth in iniquity. Some would explain that away as original sin. I just don't see that in the life of David, that he was constantly making theological statements. This man was working his faith out, and as a result, we've understood more about God because of his honesty. That's just my opinion. Well, I think, you know, evidentially, uh, I mean, David was not called to the lineup, right? In picking the next king, everybody know that part of the story? Uh, he was left out. And in Jewish culture, that would not happen. There was a reason why he was not called to the lineup. Wouldn't happen. So can you identify more with David as an illegitimate son? You got a father wound. You got dad issues. Maybe, maybe it can help us identify more with David either mm. yeah he was a king he was also the forgotten son in the field of his father on a really important day that's a deep wound that's a deep arrow that's the kind of arrow that a man breaks off and just hope that it heals over it creates an ache for his entire story he continues by saying in sin did my mother conceive me that's pretty blatant right there. I don't know. Let's In sin did my mother conceive me. Make up something about that. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible these days because it attacks the American dream. One that we've been sold, a word that I'll use again this morning, that has anesthetized us to the dreams and the hopes that God has planted inside of our heart. The American dream sounds like this. If you can think it up and if you can work hard enough for it, you deserve to have it. It is a widely held belief. According to the Bible, it is also widely false. God's in charge and you have influence. David recognizes from the very beginning, I was sunk. This makes Jesus make so much more sense, by the way. From the very beginning, I was sunk. And without you, God, I wouldn't be able to accomplish any of this. So these first six verses of this psalm, I would term a commitment to reality. David has made a very strong mm. commitment to reality. Good mental health, emotional health, spiritual health mm -hmm. is a relentless commitment to living in reality, not in a fantasy world. Top of the addiction cycle mm. that most of us in this room know because we've had to share with our friends who are addicted, right? The top of the addiction cycle, fantasy, fantasy. The moment that we give over to fantasy, that we allow the enemy to hijack our holy imagination, we depart from reality and we open the door to fall into the addiction cycle, to tumble in it like a dryer for the rest of our lives. It's like when our holy imagination becomes unhealthy preoccupation, we're in trouble. Trouble, big trouble. Paul David Tripp, really smart guy that's kind of appreciating some popularity these days. He's discussing prayer. He says it's a surrender to the reality that there's someone more ultimate than you. Without this, we shrink our world, which should be our hopes, dreams, and concerns, down to wants, needs, and feelings. Some difficult teaching there. So we, we make the turn. Everybody still with me? Yeah. Yes. This is, this is what it feels like, by the way to break apart the prayer of a man and to try to understand another person's relationship with God and how it can change us. Is this making sense to you guys this morning? Psalm 51. 
it's interesting when we when we open the Bible as men, that feeling of failure and I don't understand this and how to break it apart just rushes on us. That's institutional. Okay, we got to work to break that. Mm. We set up for a long time that there's there's one uh, used to be a smart dude that was up front. Now we believe there's one dude that doesn't really have a job and he just gets to read his Bible all week. And then he gets to talk to us for 30 minutes. And, and they're the kind of people that understand that. These are the words of a man as if you were walking past David and you accidentally were overhearing his prayer to God. He commits to reality. Then he makes a transition in these verses. It says, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. First question, how connected are you to your heart right now? Hmm. Is it a place that you don't know how to navigate? Are you aware of what's in all the rooms in there? Have you been too afraid to investigate it? What we see in these verses is that God is willing to operate and move inside of our heart in the places that are so deep within us they are secret to us that's how well god knows us that's comforting isn't it man <laughs> i don't know jack if it's secret to you <laughs> it's not secret to god he's willing to navigate those places even those places that we can't fully explain it's kind and of what you're referencing isn't it interesting i think you know so often you know when jesus talks uh, he's talking about awareness. He who has ears, let him hear. Mm -hmm. That's a reference to awareness. You know, open the eyes of your heart. I mean, he, he's talking to Nicodemus, and it's like, I mean, Nicodemus is just unaware, right? And so part of our walk with God, our journey with Jesus is becoming open to letting him reveal those areas of my life that we would call them blind spots. How can you see your own blind spot? You can't, but there goes, now we're back to connection, right? I've got to have other people that know me, that experience me, and not just my, you know, talk about sports and politics, but on a deeper level. And it's like, man, you know, Joe, when I sit with you, Gosh, you know, I see you're a good man. You have a good heart. Um, I, I see you can be abrasive. I don't know. I connect with Joe on that part. Abrasiveness. It's a gift. But, but I know my brother, and he knows me, and I think that's what all this is speaking to. I mean, David's just got this hidden stuff. And when you think about the depth of growing up as an illegitimate son and all the pain and he experienced and the references are there of how his brothers treated him, he's been carrying a lot of pain for a long time. Hmm. An openness to God is essential to your maturity and growth as a man. There's simply no way around it. And David is modeling that for us. As he continues throughout the prayer, he's first made a commitment to reality and acknowledgement of his guilt. Just as a point of confession, by default, I do not like to acknowledge my guilt. Anybody in that, in that club with me? That is a very difficult thing to do. I will cover it with anger. I will cover it with argument. I will cover it with anything I can find within arm's reach rather than acknowledging my guilt. According to Psalm 51, that's step one. Now, if your wife is the only one pointing out where you're guilty, you're in trouble. <laughs> there are many times. Amen. <laughs> there are many times in your story and in your life where your wife, your significant other, is not a safe place mm -mm. to talk about and acknowledge your guilt initially. This is why it's so important for us to surround ourselves with other men, to ask those critical questions that we've been taught by Phil and Rome. What's it like to be in relationship with me? Give me some feedback, mirror how it is to be in relationship with me and give me some truth so that I can then accept it and acknowledge it and then take action based on it to bring my strength behind my front door. 
It's a much different paradigm than the one that we're used to. We're used to actually, let me, can I just be frank for a moment? We're used to doing this, filing in <laughs> and sitting behind our desk and being quiet while someone instructs us so that we can then later, at a later date, regurgitate the information. I think we call that passivity. Yeah, or Sunday school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Or elementary school. See, right? it's contagious. It is contagious. Yeah, What's happening to me, right? <laughs> We're used to this way of living. We need to get some help. Yeah, but Psalm 51 is challenging us, challenging us this way. And there's a reason I believe why the room feels a little bit uncomfortable right now. I'll tell you what, man. I would a lot rather be, lot rather be uncomfortable with you than uncomfortable out there feeling like an imbecile. I think it's time we as men get comfortable being uncomfortable around each other. Make sense? Mm. Then David returns, later in the psalm, he returns back and says, God, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. This is where I identify with this man the most. He's already said it once, and he's returning back to it. There are some things in our stories and in our lives. We're showing up at a men's group, or dare I say deer camp, and saying something one time isn't enough. Mm. It isn't enough. We have to continually repeat the things that are haunting us to pull them, this is a little bit of God language, out into the light so that they will be exposed and then healed. David is doing this very thing in this song. I know I've mentioned it before, God, but I failed. Let me loop back to that because it's still deep in there. And if you're going to minister to a secret place in my heart, please, God, make it that. Have you ever been there? Please, God, if you're going to do something in my life, please make sure it's in that place. Because it's larger than a rock in my shoe. It's an arrow straight through my heart. And then we get to one of the most famous verses in the Bible. We're about wrapped up. Everybody still here? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had a pretty steady stream of guys leaving. I think we're doing a good job because I made that. I'll let, you, I'll let I you take Last time I was here, everybody wanted to stay extra, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been trickling out. So What's, we've done uh, a good job of being offensive. Well, no, just let me think so for a far. minute. What's different between the last time I was here and today? Rome's here. Rome's here. All right. With a microphone. With a microphone. Dangerous. Yeah. Don't ever trust it. All right. Wrapping up here. You guys have been great so far. I'll tell you what my prayer was this morning before I got here is that what we discussed today, that would be the thing that haunts us for the rest of the day so that God can do his work. Mm. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, God. Hmm. Renew a right spirit within me. Who can do that other than God? Who can do that other than God? Hmm. Hmm. Amen. The first account of creation, God is speaking things into existence with his authority and power and his ability to plan. You flip a few pages over and you see God over the lifeless body of man breathing his right spirit into him. Then all hell breaks loose. David knows in this moment, he is participating in a post-fall kind of life. And he is desperate, desperate for intimacy and connection with God. Mm -hmm. He asked God to do spiritual CPR. Hit me in the chest pinch my nose and breathe the breath of life into me because as far as I see it, God, there's no way out of this situation unless you make it. He didn't say creating me a clean checking account. Oh God, <laughs> creating me a successful business. Oh God, creating me children that I'm proud of. Oh God, he says, creating me, God, a clean heart. A clean heart is the epicenter of a holy life following God. And here's the final message for this morning. And everybody said, here's the final lesson for this morning. <laughs> Only God can renovate, clean, and transform your heart. It isn't up to you. <laughs> Awareness is part of the solution. That's certainly true. But it must be a supernatural power that initiates change in your life. 
How do we connect with that supernatural power? We see where it's worked in other men. We see that there are other men who have taken their question to the world of women. We see that there are other men who have tried to find their question at the answer of a bottle. We see that there are other men who have been caught up with pride over their failures and don't know how to admit where they've made mistakes. And suddenly we don't feel so alone. And then we see that God loved that man enough to work a change in their life. And because of that, everything's different. Then we know what source to reach out to. Amen. Let me pray. Um, Father God, let the text come alive in our hearts, not just words on a page, but let it be real. Let it be real to us here now today in the present. And certainly, Jesus, we acknowledge your presence with us uh, and you tell us that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and that you are with us. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And God, we're so thankful for your mercy, uh, even uh, just as you breathe life into us each morning. It's a reminder, your mercies are new every morning. And Lord God, we need you. We are desperate and we cannot do it without you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good day, gentlemen. Mm.